Hey guys, welcome to the debrief. We are recording this uh, actually a day after we recorded the episode, just because of timing, time, uh, stuff to do, people to see, privacy to enact. I think that um, <laughs> I hope this episode. Do you think this episode landed well for people? Like, so there are a lot of people who are skeptical about the need for privacy. It's it's kind of back to what I said in the intro, David. Of like, um, why do you need privacy if you don't have something to hide? Right. And I hope we sufficiently and Zuko sufficiently answered that question for people, which is mm-hmm. if you don't have privacy, maybe on an individual basis, it doesn't have much negative ramification, but all of this creates kind of a societal toxicity. It creates a, a pollution, an yeah. exhaust, a negative externality, a sludge in the rivers, a smog in the air, and it slowly cho- chokes the freedom out of a society. And so like the things that I, I'm, I'm just like, I, I'm kind of, uh, I guess, obsessed with going back to the Constitution, but like, it's funny that the writers of the Bill of Rights actually thought of these things, right? And like, number four is uh, you can't do search and seizure without um, like a lawful reason. And so the state and companies do not have the ability to just break in your house and take all your stuff and, and look at it and see what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. There's this presumption of innocence. And if we always have these peering eyes in on us, what does that do to stifle the freedom of a society and stifle the innovation and I think over time choke it, maybe choke it out of existence, certainly make it much less than it could be. That is the case he made, but it's kind of a subtle case, right? It's, um, I think it's still hard for an individual who is gutturally reacting to like a terrorist who uses privacy to, for, for some negative, you know, ends or some violence or a despot or North Korea or, uh, you know, all of these illicit bad cases of privacy and they use it in the, in the wrong way. It's, it's hard for them to hear that more broad case for why we need privacy. It's, it feels almost more abstract. Do you think we landed it in this episode? I think so. And I, I think, and what Zuko alluded to, or maybe explicitly said, is that younger generations are getting it easier, more easierly, easierly than older generations. And I think the statement of like, why do you need privacy if you have nothing to hide is specifically a statement that comes during good times when there's like mm. no one really coming after you. <laughs> when there's no Nazis like, saying where you're When papers. there's no Nazis or yeah, exactly. Right. Like that, that's very, a, a utopia statement to have. And like going back to that, that like it's a the privilege turning, statement, it's a privilege statement. Like, and it's like going back to the turning of the wheel of this, like, uh, like good people make good times. Good times makes bad, like, uh, makes, What's that? What's that goddamn statement? Uh, yeah. yeah but, uh, what, what is it? What is this? It's um, bad people. Yeah. Or bad no, no, times make like, strong. Good. So like, okay, I'll, I'll gender it because it's a gendered statement. Like strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make bad times. Bad times make strong men. Right. And so, like, if you're asking the question. Or if you're saying the statement, why do you need privacy if you have nothing to hide? You are in the good times and you are like becoming um, atrophied. Uh, your like sense of privacy is atrophied because like no one's coming after my privacy. And then if you aren't thinking about anyone's coming after your privacy, all of a sudden Facebook, who we all signed up for like in high school, all of a sudden starts swinging elections and causing like civil wars. Like, oops, I didn't see that coming because they accidentally had this systemic negative externality that allowed for this like centralization of power. And I think like, I think like, did we, did we make the statement and land it clearly? I think so. I think this concept of just like, there's two, 
types of entities out there, the individual and the large and capitalized and powerful. And you as a powerful entity, as a business, are always going to outcompete the individual in a particular goal. And here's a small rabbit hole. Ryan, do you know the difference between trash and recycling? Like the actual definition of the difference between these two things? What's the, no, what's the, I, I know the conceptual difference, but what conceptual, is the, yeah. where, where are you getting Recycling at? is something that is economically viable to recapture. Uh, as in it's profitable to recapture. If it's not profitable to recapture it's not it, recyclable. then it's trash. And so like a, and so like you need economies of scale to make things recyclable. Like trash can turn into recycling if you have economies of scale and efficiency to turn things that are harder and harder and harder into something that's profit. And these same principles exist in privacy, right? Like there's data out there like, your phone unlocks at 8.30 a.m. every single morning. What does that tell me about you? Like maybe if on the individual basis, if you capture that data, what the hell are you gonna do with that? But if you can capture that data for like the whole East Coast, maybe you can actually harvest that data and like generate a profit out of that in some particular way. And the only entities that can do that are like the gargantuan, like things that have a ton of data. And they like what Zuko said is that they are business models harvesting data and then therefore manipulating us. And so it's only these, extremely large centralized entities that can capture data and turn data into profit and it's not you uh and like these and inherently like the larger these entities get the more misaligned that they are with the rest of the people of the world so do you know what i've become such a cryptocurrency like uh or sorry such a crypto cryptography advocate not just mm -hmm. cryptocurrency but cryptography ag ad advocate that i actually think cryptography is the only way out yeah. Of what you just said. Yeah. Um, I think that there are so many other methods that um, people will try to do, like governments, for example. Governments will start to um, have tighter regulations, maybe, on some of these, um, like the, the Facebooks of the world, that sort of thing. Um, but I don't think that's enough, is because government itself becomes another centralization vector. Right. And um, now the, the government can essentially use these capitalist surveillance mechanisms for state surveillance mechanisms as well. And they may as well because they're kind of regulating them and they have the power to do that. So like bringing um, these large AIs and data surveillance companies under government does not fix the problem to me unless we have some sort of protection against this, right? Like, and I don't know that our laws are strong enough. The only thing that feels strong enough to me is cryptography, is individuals taking ownership of their own data and being able to secure, and their own property and being able to secure it uh, outside of the prying eyes of some AI or database and being able to opt into these things at will. So um, I don't know if that's that's too like giving too much credit to cryptography as like the thing that's going to answer. Uh, all of the problems that we're facing with with data. but like I don't see an answer coming from anywhere else, David. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't think government's going to solve it, and the free market's certainly not going to solve it. And you know, like the technology and the power of centralizing data is is only going to become more powerful, and it's going to skew towards right. those who already have that data more and more and more as we go on. So, what is the solution? I, the only solution I can think of is cryptography. It's the only solution I've seen. And it's an elegant solution, right? Like, and so like, say the government is like, you know what? 
I agree with David and Ryan and what they say about uh, and Zuko, me, Zuko saying this, let's be real, uh, about uh, harvesting data and like and limiting people's freedoms by the big tech companies, Google, Facebook. How do you regulate data collection? Like, it feels like there's an infinity number of loopholes and like definitions. It doesn't really seem to make sense. Like, I don't really know how you would do that. Now I'm not what, informed in the subject matter. What happens so often, David, with, with regulation is you, you end up just building a moat around the existing incumbents who are able sure. to, like, um, abide by that intensive right. regulation. You just mm-hmm. increase the barriers to entry and you remove competition. Right. You make the situation even worse. Right. And so cryptography, it solves, like, the inherently, like, complicated nature of how do we appropriate appropriately regulate data collection. It also solves the problem that that doing that doesn't solve the problem for the government, as you said. <laughs> yes. uh, and and also, so it's just like this one, just like this silver bullet of just like you know what, privacy for everyone. Yes. Blanket blanket the earth in privacy. Like we can't figure this out. So what we're what are we gonna do? We're gonna make everyone just have privacy. And if you want someone's data, you gotta ask them for permission. Like this very basic concept of um, what Zuko was saying of uh, uh, consent. Uh, this is also what Evan McMullen is like uh, obsessed with, with disco and Consent. like soulbound NFTs. Mm. And like, imagine like having soulbound NFTs on a public blockchain. Like, are you sure or about she, that? She, yo? She, she thinks that um, we're creating a, a massive like privacy trap, like a, yes. basically a malarkey yes. trap around privacy because if right. we start to link our identity to mm-hmm. this on-chain public um, kind of like, soulbound token. Yeah. Right. Then like bad things will happen. Not now, but like one of Zuko's major points is about privacy and this kind of this, uh, this data leakage is you don't just have to worry about what, what AIs, uh, what centralized, you know, powerful, uh, organizations are using that, that, that data now it's like 10 years in the future. Who's going to be in charge? Who's going to be using it? Right. Yeah. Going back to the recycling analogy is like, okay, maybe today we can't turn that trash into recycling, but tomorrow with innovations, we can. And like in the recycling context, that's great. In the how can we manipulate your data context, not so great. Yeah. Not so great. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, I'm sort of worried. It's a double-edged sword that we don't have privacy on the base layer of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it's double-edged because like we do get that transparency, don't we? Right. And you get the part, stable financial system. Yeah, yeah. Part of the part of the value proposition of open finance uh, mm-hmm. is the openness part, and mm-hmm. so we get to see all of the assets inside of it. Um, so I don't know that privacy at the base layer is like what we actually right. want, like privacy right. by default, or like pri- I you know I know we were talking about privacy by default, like by more I mean privacy should be a normal thing, should be expected of anyone who wants privacy right. can get privacy, right. but. Um, there is some benefit in not having some privacy, and yet there's benefit in having privacy, which is, by the way, why I thought um, the solution kind of that Ethereum is is more organically kicking, cooking up, which is like the base layer is not private, but we're going to have layer twos that have privacy. We're going to have right. apps like Tornado Cash that include privacy. There are other places you can go get privacy. Right. That is, seems to be like, it's just like kind of the internet where you have you know your basic non-private unencrypted channels and then you have encrypted channels for communication and you kind of want both but you don't want to have to opt into the encrypted all of the time necessarily right um right, right, right. but like what do you think about this are we making a massive mistake in crypto by just not having privacy on the and the base layer and we're just like really pay for this right. later create a dystopia yeah 
That part of the uh, Polenia podcast that we did comes to mind right now where he's, he, they said, I'm so bullish on trust, human trust, that we won't actually need crypto because like we just trust each other. Like, I don't really know how we get there, but I think like what they might say here is that like we actually won't need to like ZK proof the entire Ethereum blockchain and make it privacy by default because like we can figure out our trust issues. There's a bunch of question marks between here and there. And here's how I kind of think we get there. Um, Ethereum right now, uh, transparent by default, creating a very stable DeFi ecosystem. We also have apps like Tornado Cash, which hopefully we can like restore our access to that, um, where like Tornado Cash, it's not uh, like, uh, like Uniswap Aave, not private by default. But like if you want to go and get a brand new wallet and get a clean slate and like it just go through tornado cash and come out with ether out on the other side. Then you have like, you don't really leak any data. That's about you. The only data that you leak is like your positions in Uniswap, your position in Aave. Uh, and that's just like a stable financial system. So your negative externality, externality of your data is actually really positive because it makes DeFi super private. And then there's actually another layer beyond that where like with Aztec, right? Where layer two privacy is like a VPN for your DeFi access where like 10,000 people are using Aztec, the ZK rollup, um, the ZK ZK rollup, as in it's a zero knowledge, zero knowledge rollup. That's how it achieves privacy, like two layers of zero knowledge. Um, but then like the way that it works is that on the Ethereum layer one, say you're like a Uniswap layer uh, LP for ETH and DAI through Aztec. So it's private for you. Well, the Aztec pool, the Uniswap on the layer one has Aztec, the layer two, as the liquidity provider. And like of all 10,000 users on Aztec, there's 50 of them that are LPing Ether and UA and DAI on the Uniswap layer one LP pool, but it's all aggregated into just Aztec. It's the Aztec layer two that's doing it. So you still get the benefits of transparent DeFi and you still get like the Aztec position. Sure, as sign a whole. me up for this. Is this technically right? possible, David? I think this is correct. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is how this works. Okay. Uh, and so like you do get the best of both worlds where like you have privacy by default and we also have our transparent DeFi. Well, that's what I want to. Does this depend right. on like ZK bridges and like some sophistication around this or? I'm sure there's a bunch of very complicated math separating us between that and the future. That, that would be, that would, that would be great. I like, that would be perfect. I mean, I, I think some of these things are more like very technically possible. I think the another question is will our existing uh societies uh allow us to get there or will they keep setting up legal impediments in order like for us to get there i'm somewhat surprised that i know i said this with jake Trevinsky earlier in the week david but like uh, tornado cash is illegal but zcash is legal right. like that's interesting how long does right. that last right. um you know does Will nation states capitulate and effectively allow their citizens to have privacy of value and property flow? Like this is still right. kind of an outstanding question because they've been spoiled. They've been spoiled because in a non-cash society, in a digital society, they've had complete surveillance capability over all of this stuff. And this is back to something Zuko said, which is like, I'm not asking for anything crazy. I'm just asking we go back like 50 years ago when things were normal. Right. Uh, the last 50 years, they've been abnormal. And right. so how about we go back to the first, you know, the first uh, four-fifths of the country's history when things were normal? That's all I'm asking for. And that's the case for, for privacy now. But do you think that we'll end up getting there? Or will um, regulators, nation states make it illegal, make it impossible? 
I actually think our like legal layer zero is really strong. Like the um, court system? The people defending crypto, Jake Stravinsky, uh, Blockchain Association, sure, but they, like, DeFi Education They can fund. defend it, but the court system has to uphold it, right? And like, you, you heard The court system's supposed to be neutral. But are they? Except the Supreme I mean, they're court. supposed to be, but are they? And and I don't think they I don't think they I don't think they are I think they interpret the the laws in kind of the context of society and like maybe they're more neutral than other things but like um, I don't I don't know if we'll get out of these crypto wars without like a big fight with the nation states is uh, oh I think I'm I'm happy to go into a fight with the nation state I think we come out on the other side winning but like what level of fight I mean there's one where you just like the crypto wars in the 1990s. Right? But yeah, like, I think there's like there will be multiple legal cases like Shervinsky versus uh, well, I guess he's a lawyer. Yeah, but he would defend be defending. Him. Yeah, right. Hoffman. But, uh, Hoffman versus oh God, <laughs> no! <laughs> You're not gonna be the, the sacrificial well, unsu- Unsubscribe, unsubscribe. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like I think there's gonna be like somebody versus the United States of America, and there's gonna be like, a handful of these, and they're gonna define our rights to access crypto. But privacy. you are pretty optimistic that we come out on the other side with those rights intact. Is I, I mean, guess I'm always word. optimistic about most things. <laughs> but I mean, the the law is on our side, so like, how can I not be? I hope so. It's it, it's definitely it's definitely a war between kind of the, I don't know, the powers of surveillance, uh, yeah. like the profit and the power that comes. Uh, from that and I think um, the people and yeah. so this is this is also why it's um, there's there's one section we still haven't got to in all of our privacy conversations of where I still want to get back to is like let's have a practical discussion of why real everyday people need privacy what does this mm-hmm. do for them in their lives mm-hmm. like you constantly he- talk about all the bad cases we don't really have good case examples of why people need sure. privacy why it's kind of saved them why yeah. it's Brought. Yeah, but that's a, that's normal because like if it bleeds, it leads, right? Like totally. people only want to hear about the bad stuff. Totally. But like we do have China, who is yeah. <laughs> like that's a great bad example. The Uyghurs. And so we get to we get the point. Yeah, the Uyghurs, right? We get the point to China and be like, that's what happens when you violate our privacy. We definitely have historical examples too, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like going back to like the 1940s, a few times in these episodes. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Privacy episode done. Zuko, Willie, <sighs> well, Will, thank Will, you, Zuko. I really like Zuko. Do you think he'll turn Zuko's Zcash good. into a roll-up at any point in time? He sounded pretty bearish on the roll-ups there, David. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't really uh, like that idea, or sound like he liked that idea. But from idea. What, what I've gathered uh, is that it is uh, an explicit conversation in the Zcash community. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I haven't been very involved in the Zcash community, but um, personally, I think it's a it's a, an idea worth looking at for sure because. And part of what Zcash has suffered from, from a price perspective, is just massive inflation, like massive right. issuance to pay for miners. Right. Um, but also, also, I, I would also say a bigger question is like, why do I hold this thing? The uh, the Zec token? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't get into any of that. Yeah. Yeah. For my um, informant on the, uh, in the ZK or Zcash side of things, somebody who works uh, with the Zcash community goes, the hot topic for Zcash right now are the move to proof of stake, which we talked about. Zuko's a big bull on They're proof of stake. That. So like that's totally going to happen. That's and the possibility of program programmability, which either means putting programmability into the Zcash layer one or becoming a, a roll up on Ethereum. Both of those achieve programmability. Yeah, you kind of need it. I guess the original vision for Zcash was it's going to be Bitcoin except private, but right. it has not, it you know, Monero, Zcash. Being Bitcoin used to be something to aspire to, and it's fallen out of favor uh, with a part of the crypto world. That's another piece, too. Anyway, guys, more to cover. Thank you so much for being a premium member. Uh, We appreciate you. This has been The Debrief. Cheers.